Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, December 3rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Donald Trump started the week on the offensive, with his administration proposing tariffs on an array of goods, including French champagne, European aircrafts, along with steel and aluminum from Brazil and Argentina. Plus, Boris Johnson's party gears up for a challenging week in the UK election campaign, and Sweden backs away from negative rates. I'm Amy Keene, and here's the news you need to start your day. The price of your holiday toast is about to get a lot more expensive. That is, if you are raising that glass in the U.S. On Monday night, the Trump administration proposed imposing 100 percent tariffs. That's on up to $2.4 billion of French goods, including champagne and handbags. The plan was announced by U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer following an investigation into the French digital services tax. The French tax was introduced earlier this year to take a 3 percent levy on the sales of certain companies with digital businesses, such as Google, Apple, Facebook and Amazon. And the announcement came as the U.S. president arrived in London ahead of the 70th anniversary summit of NATO countries. His administration warned that other countries that have introduced their own digital service taxes, including Italy and Turkey, could face a similar investigation. But the threat of punitive measures did not stop there. Earlier in the day, the White House ratcheted up trade tensions with the EU more broadly. The U.S. has already put tariffs on up to $7.5 billion worth of EU goods. And yesterday, Mr. Lighthizer threatened the bloc with a round of new tariff increases. It's all to do with a World Trade Organization investigation into alleged subsidies that Brussels gave to Airbus, the aircraft manufacturer. But Mr. Trump's tariff blitz all got started with an early morning tweet on Monday, this time directed at Brazil and Argentina. Back in March of last year, Donald Trump announced that he would put tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. He cited national security reasons, meaning he was protecting the domestic industry on the grounds that the U.S. needed to have a strong steel manufacturing business in order to be ready to fight wars, among other things. Argentina and Brazil were exempted from the get-go. That was until yesterday morning. Mr. Trump said he would be restoring tariffs on all steel and aluminum shipped into the U.S. from those two countries. It would be 25 percent on steel and 10 percent on aluminum. The FT's World Trade editor, James Politi, has more. So the reason given by Mr. Trump on Monday was that the value of the Brazilian and Argentinian currencies had uh, fallen uh, sharply. And he said, you know, that they had been devaluating their currencies and therefore putting the U.S. at a competitive disadvantage. Behind the scenes, I think the main reason is that the U.S. fears that its uh, agricultural producers are kind of rapidly losing market share to Brazilian farmers in particular and Argentinian farmers to a certain extent in their sales to China. And so they see that, you know, farmers in those countries are outflanking American farmers in in China. And so this is their punishment. In other words, the U.S. is using one lever of trade policy to punish Argentina and Brazil for another way that they might be hurting the U.S. economy. In this case, that's farmers who've been uh, badly hit by the fallout of the trade dispute between Washington and Beijing. What should we make of this move then in the context of U.S.-China trade? So this move comes as uh, the U.S. and China are struggling to 
finally reach their, you know, what President Trump described a phase one deal, so a kind of limited agreement to pause their own trade war, uh, which has now also been going on for about a year and a half, almost two years, in fact. The U.S. and China have put tariffs on billions of dollars of goods on each side, and they came close to a pretty comprehensive agreement in May, but the U.S. kind of backed out, saying that the Chinese weren't abiding by their commitments. And so we saw further escalations over the summer. And then they tried to, you know, come together and reach a sort of more limited agreement starting in October. But they've struggled because the Chinese are, are insisting on big tariff rollbacks by the U.S., the U.S. wants more commitments on their farm purchases by the Chinese. They want more commitments on intellectual property, on currency, and other issues. And so they're struggling to reach even that limited agreement. Plus, we, we've had the diplomatic issues over Hong Kong, which also complicates the talks. And if no deal is reached, on December 15th, another $156 billion of Chinese goods coming into the U.S. will be hit by uh, 15% tariffs which could make its way to the consumer. Uh, James, we're mere weeks away from 2020 and I guess the real heart of the presidential race. Does the move against Argentina and Brazil and, and any of the other tariff escalations, does this portend more protectionism in the year ahead? And, and I guess, does that matter for the president's reelection prospects? Well, I think it was a reminder of something that, you know, we should know already, which is that Trump is completely unpredictable and he's willing to wield the protectionist axe at any moment. I think there's been an assumption that because of fears that he could damage the economy heading into his re-election campaign, that he would be more careful in his trade policies and in his trade bluster. But I don't think we can really take that for granted. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson's Conservative Party is bracing for what could be the most politically dangerous week of the U.K. election campaign. Even though the prime minister is ahead in the opinion polls, his aides are worried about a few upcoming events that could knock their strategy off course. First, the U.K. visit from Donald Trump this week. With the president in London for the NATO summit, Downing Street has been careful to avoid the two leaders being seen together. That is in part because Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn has accused the prime minister of being in the thrall of the White House, particularly on the subject of a post-Brexit trade deal. British officials have gone as far as urging the U.S. president not to intervene in the campaign with an endorsement for Mr. Johnson. Then on Friday, Mr. Johnson and Mr. Corbyn will go head to head in the final leader's TV debate. And finally, aides are also concerned about the potential collapse of the Liberal Democrats' vote. In the days since the election was called, voters in favor of remaining in the European Union have been breaking away to support Labour. That's according to YouGov data. And a number of central banks have been experimenting with an unconventional monetary policy for years. Negative rates. The idea is fairly straightforward. If it costs people money to keep their cash in the bank, they may be more likely to spend or invest it elsewhere, which should in turn boost a soft economy. It's been done in a lot of places, including Japan, Switzerland, and the Eurozone. And it's been the case in Sweden since 2015. But this month, Sweden's Riksbank is expected to end its negative rate experiment by bringing the rate back to zero. Even as the Scandinavian country's economy weakens, policymakers have been worried about some of the effects of a prolonged period of sub-zero rates. 
Things like penalizing good savers or supporting companies that might otherwise collapse and inflating bubbles in the property market. But with a steady stream of gloomy economic data, unemployment ticking up and inflation dropping, others in Sweden say now is not the time to tighten policy. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, members of the U.S. House Intelligence Committee are expected to vote on their impeachment report on White House dealings with Ukraine, with the House Judiciary Committee picking up the matter in a hearing on Wednesday. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Mark Filipino returns tomorrow. Be sure to check back for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.